Welcome to another edition of Straight Up Sports, the podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Schaefer, coming at you live. Today, we're going to talk about the NFL and the recap, and I'm also going to give out some midseason awards since we're about halfway through the season. We're also going to talk about college basketball and the night that was between Kansas and Michigan State and Duke and Kentucky. I'm also going to give out my final four predictions for the season. We're also going to talk college football a little bit today. We're going to talk about the playoff and the schedules for the remaining teams in the mix for that la- for those last few spots. And then I'm going to get into Joel Quenville, who was fired yesterday as the Chicago Blackhawks head coach after a long tenure after winning three cups. So let's go ahead and start with the NFL. Obviously, we're halfway through the season, so I think we have a pretty good idea of where teams are and what they're going to be for the rest of this season. So as of right now, we're going to start with the AFC. Uh, New England is leading the AFC East at 7-2. Pittsburgh is leading the AFC North at 5-2-1. Houston is 6-3, leading the AFC South. And Kansas City, who is the best team in the AFC right now, at 8-1. The two wildcard teams at the moment are the LA Chargers, they are 6-2, and, and the Cincinnati Bengals, they are 5-3. Other teams still in the mix, teams like the Miami Dolphins, also the Tennessee Titans. Those are really the only teams in the mix that are either at 500 or above 500 in the AFC. What's important to note is that Kansas City needs home field advantage. If Kansas City wants to get to the Super Bowl, they have to make sure that the AFC runs through them. Because if they have to go on the road to New England, there's or Houston even, I don't see Kansas City getting through it. Kansas City, they're 4-1 on the road, yes, but they're 4-0 at home. And Arrowhead is a very tough stadium to play in. The sound barriers and everything that goes on, it's a very, very tough place. So if Kansas City wants to get to the Super Bowl, I believe they need home field. They need it more than any team in the AFC. I expect Kansas City to be the one, New England at the two, Houston the three, Pittsburgh the four. I do believe Cincinnati and L.A. will both make it. L.A. will be the five, and Cincinnati will be the six. Because there's a lot going on. Miami, I don't think, is a very good football team. I think Baltimore has really struggled, and John Harbaugh looks like he might get fired. Uh, you know, Jacksonville's had a very disappointing year. I, I don't expect Tennessee to kind of make a big run either. So I really believe those will be the six teams in the AFC playoffs. Let's go to the NFC, where you have the Washington Redskins leading the NFC East at 5-3, and three, Chicago and Minnesota. Chicago's 5-3, and three, Minnesota's 5-3-1. and one. Then you got New Orleans at 7-1 and one in the NFC South, and L.A. at 8-1 and one in the NFC West. So I believe the L.A. Rams will be the number one seed. They lost to the Saints, but, you know, the Rams are still a great team. So I think the Rams will be the one. I think the Saints will end up being the two, and the game will be played in L.A. Uh, the three for me is going, to, is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. I think they're going to find a way to win the North. I think the four, I, I still believe in the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they're going to be the four. And I think the two wild card teams are going to end up being the Carolina Panthers, and the Chicago Bears. I really like the way the Bears have played to this point. I think the Bears are going to make a little bit of a push here. I think the Bears will make it. I'm going to make a little bit of a shocking pick there. Obviously, the Washington Redskins are still in the mix. You know, you got the Atlanta Falcons. They're now at 500. Seattle's also at 500. So, I mean, anything can still happen. It's very much alive. And again, but I think home field advantage in this conference is the most important for the New Orleans Saints. The Saints, yes, they're 4-0 on the road. But we know that when the Saints play in the Dome, it is very, very difficult to beat them. So I think if the Saints and the Chiefs both get home field advantage, they will both be in the Super Bowl. Do I think that's going to happen? No. 
but I do believe they both really badly need home field advantage. So I'm going to recap last week's games just very quickly because I really want to get into the, the college sports this week because that's really what's the most important, especially college football with the playoff coming up in a few weeks. So we're going to go ahead. So I'll start with we'll start with the local teams. We'll start with the Jets. They played the Dolphins. Uh, the Jets were embarrassing. I mean, I really don't know what to say. I, I mean, Todd Bowles, you know, he never shows any emotion. I mean, this is a guy who was hired by Mike McCagnan. And everyone thought, okay, you know, he's a, you know, kind of a different personality, almost polar opposite from Rex Ryan. And you said, okay, you know, maybe this is the guy. He was a great defensive coordinator in Arizona, and he was a good player for Washington Redskins. And you said, okay, you know, maybe this is the guy that can get us there. Unfortunately, his demeanor reminds me way too much of Isaiah Thomas, the former Knicks coach. And unfortunately, I just don't think the Jets are a very good football team. Sam Darnold has no weapons around him. Bilal Powell's hurt. Quincy Anunma gets hurt a lot. You know, Jermaine Curse quit on the team on Sunday. You know, Robbie Anderson's not involved enough. Isaiah Correll's a nice player, but is he realistically a number one running back? I, yeah, probably, but I don't think he's a running back that can help you get to a playoffs. You know, the offensive line is not very good. You know, and for Todd Bowles to come out and say that the defense didn't create turnovers is ridiculous. Now, when you listen, I don't know if any of you have listened to Bart Scott uh, his rant on Sunday about Todd Bowles and, and the way he coaches, I would highly recommend you find that video and listen to it. It's one of the best rants I've ever heard. Now, we all know Bart Scott's famous for the, the can't stop a nosebleed, you know, 25th in the league kind of thing, you know, rant that he did when they beat the Patriots in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, so I think, I think the Jets right now, they're, obviously their season is over. I do think Todd Bowles will get fired after the season. I don't think they're going to do it midseason unless they get blown out by Buffalo this week. Then maybe they will. But I, I still expect Todd Bowles to coach through the rest of the season. They're going to let him go. And I think the Jets need to start thinking about going in an offensive direction. They've had so many defensive coaches. Herm Edwards, Eric Mangini, Rex Ryan, Todd Bowles. I mean, they, they need an offensive coach because they need Sam Darnold to be developed. So there's going to be some offensive guys out there. Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, John Filippo, the offensive coordinator from the Minnesota Vikings. So there's going to be some options there for the Jets. I just don't think Todd Bowles is the right guy for them. The Giants obviously had a bye week, which honestly for Giants fans, they feel like they won, I'm sure. I mean, when you're 1-7 and seven and things are that ugly, why would you want to watch them? Um, but the Giants may not be the worst team in the league. That may be the Oakland Raiders. They, they got blown out by third-string quarterback Nick Mullins out of Southern Mississippi, 34-3 to by the San Francisco 49ers. Nick Mullins threw for 262, three touchdowns, played, looked like Brett Favre out there. And the reason I throw out Brett Favre's name is because Nick Mullins and Brett Favre actually went to the same school. But Oakland, they're 1-7. They trade Amari Cooper to Dallas. You know, Dallas gets, you know, for a first-round pick, which is obviously a nice get for John Gruden. But trading Amari Cooper, I still question that move. I think he, that kid has a lot of talent. You know, you trade away Cleo Mack and then say you don't have any pass rushers. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, like I said before in my previous podcast, John Gruden with Oakland, reminds me a lot of Phil Jackson with the Knicks. You know, they're paying a guy who has a great reputation, who did great things in either their organization or another organization, and just because of his name, you're going to give him a hundred to whatever million dollars it is, and he basically is tearing the Raiders apart. I don't expect Derek Carr. Derek Carr's been thrown out in trade rumors. He'll be here the rest of the year. I do think they're going to move him. We'll see how that works out for the Raiders, but they have given up on John Gruden. He still has nine years left on a contract. I mean, that to me, that's crazy. 
Uh, I mean, giving somebody a 10-year contract is insane. I mean, John Gruden would have been so stupid to not turn down that money. But the Raiders are 1-7, and, and San Francisco is now 2-7. and seven. Uh, The Bears beat the Bills 41-9. As I said, Buffalo has not had a good season. Josh Allen is still out with the elbow injury, might need some surgery. You know, Derek Anderson, who they signed off the street, got a concussion. So they brought in everybody's favorite quarterback, Nathan Peterman. And Nathan Peterman threw three picks. He now has 12 interceptions. I think it's in like three starts. I mean, Nathan Peterman is awful. I mean, I don't know if he's the worst quarterback I've ever seen, but he's definitely in that discussion. I mean, he threw 40. He went 31 of 49, which isn't terrible, but he threw for 189 yards and three picks. I mean, that's really bad against the Bears team that, you know, needs to get start getting some wins because this is a team, I think, that was underrated coming into the season. I don't think anyone expected them to really do much because last year they had a bad season and they had a second-year quarterback in Trubisky. But they've got talent. I mean, you've got Trubisky, a quarterback. You've got Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen at running back. You've got Allen Robinson, a receiver, I believe. And then you've got, you know, obviously they get Khalil Mack. I mean, there's just so much the Bears are doing right. Matt Nagy's a great coach. The former offensive coordinator for Andy Reid in Kansas City came over to Chicago. He's done a great job. So I was not surprised that Chicago blew out Buffalo. Kansas City and Cleveland. Cleveland, obviously, they fired Hugh Jackson and offensive coordinator Todd Haley. Um, Hugh Jackson claims that he wanted to take other quarterbacks, but the general manager, John Dorsey, decided to take Baker Mayfield. He wanted to go in a different direction, so there was clearly a disconnect there. Um, Jimmy Haslam uh, is one of the worst owners in sports. I mean, he's up there with Dolan and Jerry Jones and Wolpon and, and all the other owners you can think of. Jimmy Haslam is up there. And for those of you that don't know, the Browns in their general manager front office department actually hired baseball analytics people from the Indians. Think about that. A football team is using a baseball analytics department. I, I mean, that's crazy. I, I mean, that, that is just ridiculous that he's going to hire people from another sport. I, I mean, that to me, that's, that's crazy. But anyway, Baker Mayfield came in, played fine. But Patrick Mahomes, I mean, this was ho-hum. 375, three touchdowns. I mean, he, he's clearly been their best player. I, I mean, there, there's no question. He's, he's been the best player in the league. I mean, I mean you know, he's, he's really surprised, I think, a lot, a lot of people. And I, I think you've got to give him a lot of credit. You've got to give Andy Reid a lot of credit. They let go of Alex Smith. People were saying, oh, why are you letting go of a consistent quarterback? You know, but I think they made the right choice. I think Patrick Mahomes is special. I mean, he is special, special talent. And, you know, again, he's a quarterback. I think people already want to put him in the Tom Brady, greatest quarterback ever. He's not anywhere near that because he hasn't played in the playoff game. Um, But I will say he reminds me a lot of Brett Favre, you know, Michael Vick, type of quarterback where you kind of run around do you kind of do the kind of a what we call backyard football and that's really what he reminds me of a lot and um I mean to me he's been the best player so I don't think there's any question uh the Vikings beat the Lions 24 to 9 that's also not really a surprise Detroit's kind of had an up and down season you know What's going to happen with Stafford? I mean, Minnesota put 10 sacks on Matt Stafford. The guy's getting killed. And, you know, Detroit's got to find a way to protect him better. They don't, you know, the running game is inconsistent for both teams for that matter. But Minnesota's defense is way too good for Detroit. 
So the Vikings go to 5-3-1. and one. Detroit falls to 3-5. and five. Atlanta beat Washington. This is actually a game that I think a lot of people actually expected Atlanta to come in and win. You know, Julio Jones finally got a touchdown for the first time this year. Matt Ryan had a great game, 350 and four touchdowns. Looked like Matt Ryan. And Atlanta obviously has had a lot of injuries, especially on the defensive side, losing two of their best players. And for Atlanta to be 4-4 four and four right now after starting out the way they did, I think you got to give Coach Dan Quinn a lot of credit. And Atlanta is certainly still in the mix for a playoff spot. Carolina beat Tampa Bay, uh, 42-28. Cam Newton threw for two touchdowns. But I'll tell you, the real difference for them this year is Christian McCaffrey. This kid has played really well for them. He's given them a balanced offense, and I think that really helps Cam Newton a lot. Because Cam Newton also, remember, can run out of the pocket. He's a bigger guy, can take on you know, a beating. And you know, Tampa Bay, uh, you know, switching to them, obviously they've had some struggles. You know, Jameis Winston was benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Jameis Winston, I believe, the last two years has led the league in interceptions. So he has not obviously lived up to the hype of the draft pick that they thought he was going to be. He's obviously had some off-the-field issues as well. You know, it was Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. I, I think we all knew that Marcus Mariota off the field was going to be a better player because Jameis already had issues coming in. But Jameis on the field was your more traditional quarterback. Mariota was more of a RPO, a read-pass option kind of quarterback. Um, but I, I, again, I... I don't think Tampa Bay made the wrong choice at the time. I would have still taken Jameis number one. He'd won the national championship. But, you know, it's a, it's now that you look at it, it, it's pretty tough. But Mariota really hasn't done much in Tennessee. They have not been to the playoffs. None of that's really happened. So, so I don't really know if you can sit here and say that that was a bust of a pick. Uh, Pittsburgh beat Baltimore 23-16. A lot of, lot, John Harbaugh is big on the hot seat right now. The Ravens, I think, were expected to make them. I had picked them to go to the playoffs and... Right now they're four and five, and John Harbaugh put out some comments and made it sound like this could be his last rodeo with them. Ozzie Newsom, this is his last year as the general manager, so it's kind of it looks like Baltimore's going to kind of bring in some new people, new GM, new coach, kind of start over a little bit. I do think Lamar Jackson will eventually go in for Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is basically just a little bit better than Eli Manning. I mean, that's really the two of them are pretty similar, non-mobile, stay in the pocket all day long, boring quarterbacks, as they say. Uh, Pittsburgh got the win. Still no Le'Veon Bell. I don't expect him to play this season. He's probably going to sit the whole year out, and we'll see what happens in the offseason with him. Houston beat Denver 19-17. This was a low-scoring, good defensive game. Uh, Houston, obviously, at the deadline got Demarius Thomas from Denver, so this was Demarius Thomas's first game. Um, so Houston ended up going to 6-3. and three. Denver falls to 3-6. and six. I think this is the end of the line for Broncos head coach Vance Joseph. It's been a pretty disappointing tenure for him. Uh, obviously, they don't really have a quarterback. I mean, Case Keenum is okay, but, you know, he he was not really put in a great situation. The defense has been pretty good. Obviously, you have Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and some other good defensive players, but I think a lot of pressure needs to be put on John Elway. John Elway does not deserve, excuse me, does not deserve, he doesn't get a lot of criticism from the media and from these people because of how great he was as a quarterback for Denver. He's really the reason why Denver's is bad. Remember, he drafted Paxton Lynch. That has not worked. He brought in Peyton Manning kind of as a Band-Aid. He knew the quarterback issue was there. He signed Peyton Manning. They won a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning left, and now the issue came back to haunt him. They signed Case Keenum. He's just signing these stop gaps, and he didn't take a quarterback in the last draft. He wanted Mayfield, couldn't get him. Mayfield was taken one, so his choices were Rosen, and Allen, he didn't want either. He went with Chubb, which obviously Chubb's a great player, but quarterback's their biggest problem. And he should have probably taken uh, Josh Rosen, but he didn't, and he went with Chubb. And 
We'll see how much that bites Denver down the line. Uh, Chargers beat the Seahawks 25-17. LA's the real deal. I mean, they're really good. Phillip Rivers has looked great. Um, you know, Seattle surprised me, though. Seattle at 4-4 four and four is surprising. I honestly didn't think they'd be that good of a team. So I give Pete Carroll a lot of credit. Russell Wilson's looked very good this year. Um, but the Chargers, you know, they, they're a team that can make a bit of a run, get to an AFC championship game. You know, obviously they don't – Phillip Rivers has not done well in, you know, in his career in the cold in the playoffs. We've seen it in New England and other places. But I think the Chargers are legit. I think a lot of people question that hire Anthony Lynn, who is the who was a coordinator for the Bills at the time, also was a former Jets coordinator for Rex Ryan, under Rex Ryan. A lot of people questioned it. People were like, oh, who is this guy? Why would you hire him? And then next thing you know, they're 6-2. and two. So I think you got to give Coach Lynn a lot of credit. Uh, the game of the day really was Saints-Rams. Uh, Saints won 45-35, handed the Rams their first loss of the year. The Rams defense, I think we all knew it was going to be a high-scoring game, but the Rams giving up 45 is a little shocking. Marcus Peters came out and admitted he's, he has not played well the last few weeks and that he needs to play better. Uh, I don't think this is going to affect either team. I think they're both still playoff teams. I think they're the best two teams in the NFC. It'll probably be a rematch in the NFC Championship game, but it'll be in L.A. Um, Jared Goff threw for 391 and three touchdowns. Alvin Kamara was a beast. Michael Thomas was a beast. Um, so the Saints are now 7-1. and one. Saints are very, very good, but I don't think they're going to beat the L.A. Rams in the, Super, uh, in the NFC Championship game. Patriots, Packers. Patriots made it look easy. 31-17. Tom Brady looked great. Josh Gordon actually had a big game, 130 and a touchdown. Obviously, he's had a lot of issues off the field. And Green Bay is now 0-4 on the road. You know, they're 3-4-1. I really think it's time for Green Bay to get a defense and to cut ties with Mike McCarthy. Because Aaron Rodgers is doing all he can. I mean, he's got Aaron Rodgers has no running game. You got rid of Jordy Nelson. So you brought in Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham's good. But you don't have a number one receiver. I guess that's Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb's over 30, and Randall Cobb's getting older. Uh, you don't have a good defense. You traded HaHa Clinton Dix to Washington. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy hasn't really done much recently. Green Bay hasn't been to a Super Bowl since they won in 2010, I believe. And then you got uh, Dom Capers, the defensive coordinator, is not very good. So, you know, I think Green Bay's got to make some changes. Uh, but we'll see what happens in the offseason. We'll see if Aaron Rodgers opens his mouth at all. And Monday Night Football, really an embarrassment for the Cowboys. They lose 28-14. This should be the end of the line for Jason Garrett. I mean, Dak Prescott has regressed every year since he's been in the league. Some of it isn't his fault. I think some of it is play calling and things like that. Like Ezekiel Elliott only getting six carries in the second half. That's just not good. I mean, you've got to balance. Ezekiel Elliott's a top five running back in the league. I mean, you've got to use him a lot more. You know, Dallas left 10 points on the field in the first half. Can't do that. You know, he lost to a, you know, a, a, an average Tennessee team that they probably should have won. You know, Dak looked okay. Threw for 243 and two touchdowns. Got sacked five times. Offensive line has not looked great. And Jerry Jones continues to say, I'm going to go with Jason Garrett. But that's because Jason Garrett's the whipping post, man. The real problem is Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, we've seen this before. Owners cannot be GMs. Owners have to be owners. They have to, they, they do the ownership management part of their team. The general managers put the teams together, the coaches put them in situations, and the players execute. That's the way it works. It clearly, it doesn't work in any sport where the owner is the GM. Look at Jim Dolan, look at Fred Wilpon, look at Dan Snyder in Washington. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And, you know, I, I don't know, some of these owners, they just have such big egos that they just don't want to deal with it. And, you know, that's the way it goes, unfortunately, for some of these teams. And some of them happen to be my own. So, 
So I'm going to give out some midseason awards right now. Uh, we'll start with MVP. I, I don't think there's any question it's Patrick Mahomes. I, I mean, he has been great. You know, there's no doubt he is the best player in football. I think you can make a case for two other guys. You can make a case for Todd Gurley. You could also make a case for Drew Brees. I don't think there's really a case for anybody else. Um, but, I, but I really believe it's Patrick Mahomes. Defensive player of the year. I think there's really only one choice, and that's Aaron Donald. I mean, Aaron Donald is an absolute beast. In his last five games, he has 10 sacks. I mean, that, that's crazy. Uh, I mean, that, that is just freaky. You know, he'd be the third player to win defensive player of the year in back-to-back years. The other two were J.J. Watt and Lawrence Taylor. So he's in some elite company, got his long-term contract, and he deserved every penny. Uh, my offensive rookie of the year, I don't think there's any question it's Saquon Barkley. I mean, he, the Giants' offensive line is so bad, but this guy every week shows up and shows his potential, shows how much talent he really has. I think you got to give him a lot of credit. He's been one of the few positives on this team. Defensive rookie of the year, I think you can make some arguments. But for me, it's, it's Derwin James, the safety from uh, the L.A. Chargers. They drafted him out of Florida State. His comparison coming out was Cam Chancellor. Drafted him at 17th overall. That was a big steal. Guy has four sacks. He, has a, he also has an interception. I mean, he's looked, he's looked great. So I would go with Derwin James. You can make an argument for Denzel Ward, the cornerback from Cleveland. You can also make a, an argument for Darius Leonard from the Colts. But I would, I would go with Derwin James. That would be my guy. Uh, my comeback player of the year, I think there's really only two options, Andrew Luck or J.J. Watt. I would go with Andrew Luck. After all the shoulder problems he's had, the offensive line has struggled. He continues to do his thing. He's actually completed 66% of his passes. He's top 10 in the league in passing yards. And he's actually getting some help from his offensive line. They drafted Quentin Nelson. That was a great pick. And a healthy Andrew Luck has done really, really well. It's good for the NFL, but it's really good for Colts fans and, and Andrew Luck. And the coach of the year, I, I, there's really only two choices. It's either Sean McVay or Andy Reid. I'm going to go with Sean McVay just because of what the Rams did. They were 8-0. Yes, they lost, but I just continue to be impressed every week with what Sean McVay has done. I, that's no disrespect to Andy Reid. But Sean McVay has done one thing, and that is he has established a culture there. And the culture is you have to be aggressive and you got to be creative. And that's what he did. They did a fake field goal that should have been a first down. Nobody does fake field goals anymore in the NFL. This guy pulls it on like the 25-yard line, and they missed it by half an inch, even though it should have been a first down. But So those are my NFL midseason awards. Up next, I'm going to talk about college football. College football, we got the playoff going. The playoff has, the, excuse me, the playoff standings have come out. So we'll get a little bit into that. We'll look at some of the remaining schedules of some of these teams, and we'll try to figure out, or what I believe, who the teams are going to be going in. So the college football playoff rankings came out, and obviously there's no changes. There's some slight movement, but for the most part, um, Alabama, they beat LSU 29-0. LSU was the three, so LSU drops to seven. Clemson was the two. They smoked Louisville 77-16, to so they remain at the two. Notre Dame moved up from the four to the three. They beat Northwestern. Michigan went from five to four. They beat Penn State, and they smoked Penn State. Georgia went from six to five. They beat Kentucky. Oklahoma beat Texas Tech 51-46 in a shootout. They move up to six. LSU falls to seven after losing to Alabama. Washington State beat Cal in a tight game. They stay at eight. West Virginia moves up to nine. They beat Texas. Ohio State beat Nebraska. They stay at 10. Kentucky moves down two spots after losing to Georgia. 
Central Florida, who is still 8-0, one of four undefeated teams left. They beat Temple. And then my Syracuse Orange, surprisingly, are 13th. They move up six spots after beating Wake Forest, uh, 41-24. You also got NC State, Florida, Mississippi State, Boston College, Michigan State, Texas, Penn State, Iowa, Iowa State, Fresno State, Auburn, and Washington. By the way, I have some breaking NFL news. Des Bryant has signed with the New Orleans Saints. That's a huge get for the Saints. You know, getting another receiver next to Michael Thomas. That's really big for the Saints. So I think we can all agree, going back to college football, I think we can all agree that Alabama and Clemson are going to both be in the playoff. Okay, Alabama's remaining schedule is pretty easy. I mean, it's, it's really pretty self-explanatory. They're home against Mississippi State. Then they play the Citadel. Then they're home against Auburn. And then in the SEC championship game, they're home against Georgia. I think they're going to beat Georgia. I don't think Georgia's going to touch them. So I think Alabama will go in as the one. Clemson will go in, I believe, as the two. This week, college game day is there. They're at Boston College. That'll be a tough game, but I think Clemson will find a way to pull it out. They're home against Duke and then home against South Carolina. And then in the ACC championship game, they're either going to play Pitt or Virginia. And that'll be an easy win for Clemson, whoever it is. So I believe Clemson will go in as the two. Notre Dame as the three. I'm going I'm to try to make this as interesting as possible. And what I actually, what I want to see happen and believe will happen. Notre Dame is playing Florida State. They will beat them. Then they're, then they're playing Syracuse at Yankee Stadium. I happen to believe Notre Dame is going to beat Syracuse. I think the game will be extremely tight. But I think Notre Dame will pull it out just because Notre Dame has more talent than Syracuse. And then they're at USC. I think Notre Dame will pull that game out. So they will also go in. They will go in as the three. Michigan is the four. So Michigan's remaining schedule is at Rutgers. They'll win that game. Home against Indiana. And then they play Ohio State. And I, I do not believe that Michigan is going to beat Ohio State. I think Ohio State will win that game. And... You know, obviously that's the biggest rivalry or one of the biggest rivalries in college football. That game will be a great thing to watch, outstanding game to watch. Uh, That game is being played at Ohio State. I do not think Michigan will win that game. So I think Michigan's going to fall out. They'll have two losses. That'll bring up Georgia. Now, Georgia, they're going to play Alabama. I don't expect them to beat Alabama. So they're going to get knocked out. That leaves Oklahoma. So the Oklahoma Sooners, their remaining schedule is they're home against Oklahoma State, home against Kansas. Those are two games they should win. And then they're at West Virginia. Now, that's a tough game for Oklahoma. The game is in Morgantown. I happen to believe that West Virginia will pull off the upset. That place is very difficult to play in. And Oklahoma almost lost to Texas Tech. So I believe that Oklahoma will lose that game. That leaves us with LSU. LSU is the seven. So now we're going to have a bunch of teams with two losses. LSU will win the next three games. They're at Arkansas, home against Rice, and at A&M. They're going to win all three of those games. So I think there's going to be a battle for that fourth spot between those teams. That last spot. I think Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame are all getting in. And then there's going to be four teams with two losses. Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, and LSU. Then you got a team like Washington State out in the Pac-12 could only lose one game. West Virginia might only lose one game. 
Then you got Ohio State. That's the dangerous team, I think, out there as well. They're at Michigan State. They're at Maryland, and they're home against Michigan. Ohio State could finish with one loss, and their one loss could be to Purdue, and Ohio State could sneak in. Then the question becomes, does a two-loss Georgia team beat a one-loss Ohio State team? Like it all, It's all going to come down to conference championships and who wins those things. I happen to believe that Oklahoma is going to find a way in. I, I think Oklahoma and West Virginia will be tight. I'm going to pick West Virginia, but in my heart of hearts, I actually really do believe that Oklahoma is going to win that game. But I'm going to pick West Virginia because it's a tough place to play, and the Mountaineers are very good. But, but I think Oklahoma is going to end up sneaking in. I don't think Michigan will make it. Georgia's going to have two losses, you know, and they'll lose the SEC title game. LSU, two loss. You know, it's going to be tough. But I think there's going to be a huge debate for that four. But I think we pretty much got the top three. Unless Syracuse can beat Notre Dame and make it interesting, I, I still think Notre Dame, Clemson, and Alabama are all getting in. But like I said, no one's touching Alabama. They're going to win the national championship. They'll play Clemson in the, in the final. But I, I, really, I really think that, that that's college football is pretty obvious right now at this point for the top two and who's going to make national championship. Now I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I'm going to go to college basketball and focus on last night. Uh, Kansas played Michigan State. Michigan State was down most of the game. They stuck with it. Unfortunately, they just they could not, couldn't make the timely shots at the end of the games. Michigan State will get better uh, as they go. I mean, they're a young team, fairly young. They lost Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, to the NBA draft. Jaron Jackson went to Memphis. Miles Bridges went to Charlotte. So they lost two pretty good NBA players. And uh, you know, it's gonna be. It's going to be tough for them this year. I, I think they're going, to, they're going to obviously make the tournament, and they'll be very good. I think they'll go pretty far. Um, you know, last year they lost to Syracuse in the NCAA tournament, you know, because Jackson didn't really show up. But, you know, we'll see what happens to Michigan State. As for Kansas, I think they're a good team. I don't know if they're the best team in the country, not after last night. You know, I think they're still a, a very dangerous team. I think they'll make the Elite Eight at least because they're that good. Um, but we'll see how it shakes out for them. Really, I want to focus on talking about Duke. R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, are special. I mean, this team, yes, they're the three best recruits in the country, and some people say that Coach K may have done it illegally. That's fine. But Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett are clearly the two best players in college basketball. I mean, Zion Williamson is a beast. Kid's 6'7", 280, or 270. He's a freight train. He's basically a bigger version of Julius Randle. I mean, he is huge. If Zion Williamson can hit a jump shot, I mean, this kid is special. I mean, he's athletic. He's strong. He's a great rebounder. He's a great finisher at the rim. He's a pretty decent ball handler. I think the one knock on him is his jump shot. And, you know, obviously, I think the one thing you can improve in the NBA is shooting. It comes with reps and, and different techniques and things like that. So I, I think this kid's really special. And R.J. Barrett last night, he clearly showed why he's the number one pick in the draft. I mean, he's, he's elusive. He's long, athletic. He's a really good defensive player. I think the one thing with him is he's just really thin. He's got to put on some weight. Um, he's, also, he's also Steve Nash's godson, so he's got Steve Nash in his corner. So that certainly helps. Um, but R.J. Barrett's got a lot of talent. If any of you get a chance to watch Duke, I mean, I, I am not a Duke fan. I was a Duke fan growing up, but... You know, if any of you guys watch Duke and watch these two kids, these are clearly the two best players in the NBA, and these are two kids that are going to be future stars in the NBA. And I hope to God 
that the Knicks get one of these two guys because that would be great for the franchise. Um, so quickly, I'm going to give my final four predictions since I didn't seem to do that in the last podcast. So for me, I, I've looked at all the rosters, looked at all the teams, looked at the polls, and I think there's a, f- a few things that, that you need to win in the tournament. You need guards. You need a great coach. You need seniors. And you need experience. And so for me, my final four, first team I have in is Duke. Um, even before last night, I had picked them to go. I just think they're way too good, way too talented. Uh, I know they don't have a lot of experience, and obviously, but they have a great coach. They have two generational talents. Cam Reddish is great. Um, I really like the way Duke played, and especially on the defensive end. They won by 34 last night against Kentucky. It's Calipari's worst loss in the history of the school since he's been there. Um, I really like Duke to get there. I just think they're too good, too physical for all these teams. The second team I have going is is my alma mater, Syracuse. Now, I know people may say, oh, that's a biased pick. Let me just explain something. It's very hard to prepare for a 2-3 zone with that kind of length. Okay, Pascal Chuku is 7'2", Marek Dolezal, O'Shea Brissett. These guys are 6'9", 6'8", with long arms. You know, you got Frank Howard at 6'5", Tyus Battle at 6'5". You also got Buddy Bayheim at 6'5", and Elijah Hughes at 6'7". So they have a ton of length, ton of skill. I think the biggest question for Syracuse is can Frank Howard be their point guard be a little more consistent and can they get anything out of the center position offensively? But the zone is very hard to prepare for. And last year, they had the same exact team and they went to the Sweet 16. Now they're all back and they gained three freshmen and they have experience and a great coach. So I think they're going to make the Final Four this year. Uh, my third team is Virginia. Uh, I think Virginia is on a, on a mission. Last year, they lost to Maryland-Baltimore County. I think they're on a huge mission to get back to the tournament. I happen to believe they're going to make they're going to make the Final Four. They're just they're way too good. I mean, they've got guy Ty Jerome is, is really good. Kyle Guy's really good. They got Braxton Key, the transfer from Alabama, who was the SEC. I think he was the leading scorer. Maybe they're just the leading scorer in Alabama, but he's really special. You know, and I real I really like Virginia. I, I just think they're going to get there. And my last team, I don't know if this is coming is going to come as a bit of a surprise, but I'm going to go with Gonzaga. I, I think Gonzaga's a team. With Killian Tilly and Rui Hachimori, these are two players that are going to go in the NBA draft. Hachimori is this big guy who's just very good around the basket. Great feet, great post game, ability to finish at the rim. Mark Few's a great coach. He's done it for so many years. I think this is one of Gonzaga's best teams they've had in a while, probably since the national championship with with Shevin Karnowski and company. I, I think Gonzaga's going to make it. So those are my four. Uh, my final is going to be Duke and Virginia. I think Syracuse will run out of gas. To f- offensively, they just won't have enough. And I-, I think Virginia, even though they like to really slow the game down, I think offensively, now that they have DeAndre Hunter back, they're going to find a way to get in. Duke's just way too strong. But my national champion this year is going to be Virginia. I-, I just I think they're on a huge mission to get back to this point. I mean, you know, they've never made it to the Final Four, you know, but I think Tony Bennett's on a mission to get there. But, I, but, you know, again, you can't count out Kansas, can't count Kentucky, you can't count out Tennessee, North Carolina, Villanova, Michigan State, can't count any of those teams out. But I'm going to go with Virginia over Duke in the, in the ACC championship and in the NCAA tournament championship game. So those are my predictions for that. Now I'm going to quickly do some hockey news. Joel Quenville yesterday was fired as the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, which was a bit of a surprise. I mean, the Blackhawks had lost, yes, they've lost four, five, six in a row, and you know, Joel Quenville is one of those coaches where it's like, wow, that's surprising. You know, because 
The Blackhawks won in 2010. You know, they beat Philadelphia. They beat Tampa Bay in 2015. You know, they beat Boston in 2013. They've won three cups in five or six years, which is incredible, a dynasty type of thing. But the last few years, they've had to go through a rebuild, had to get rid of a lot of the players. You know, obviously, you signed Jonathan Page and Patrick Kane long-term. It's going to hurt their salary cap. Duncan Keith has signed long-term as well. That all sorts their salary cap. And Brent Seabrook's long-term. So, you know, they have four Hall of Fame guys on their team. Unfortunately, these guys are all... Brent Seabrook especially is going really, really far down. You know, Duncan Keith, I think, is still one of the best defensemen in the league when he's healthy. You know, Patrick Kane's a great player, obviously. And Jonathan Taze is one of the best two-way centers that's ever played this game. And I don't think it's Joel Quenville's fault that they're this bad. Now, does a message get stale? Sure. I don't, it's very hard to maintain a job for that long. I mean, Greg Popovich and Bill Belichick are really two of the only coaches to do it. You know, I, I mean, people thought Mike Babcock was going to last forever in Detroit. He ends up in Toronto. You know, the message sometimes gets stale. And I think the players are going to wake up. And obviously, this is the message from, from Stan Bowman saying, listen, I expect this to make the playoffs. We're not playing like it right now, and somebody has to go. And he chose Joel Quenville. I wouldn't have chose Joel Quenville. I think Joel Quenville's a great coach. He's a Hall of Famer, first ballot, no question. I mean, he's won three cups in six years. He's coached a lot of great talent, over 500 record as a coach. I mean, I don't know what more you could ask from Joel Quenville. And I mentioned it in the first podcast. Joel Quenville is going to Detroit after the season's over with Steve Eiserman. I will say it again. That is my bold prediction from the beginning. I'm sticking with it. Joel Quenville will end up in Detroit. He could end up in one of these other places. You know, that fire a coach. But right now, um, I think Joel Quenville is an excellent coach. But if the Blackhawks don't make the playoffs, they should fire Stan Bowman. I, I mean, first of all, you look at the Blackhawks. The one thing they're lacking is depth and speed. I mean, they really don't have a lot of it. They traded Artemi Panarin for Brandon Saad. That was an awful trade. I mean, Brandon Saad, yes, he had great chemistry with Jonathan Pace, but Brandon Saad is not Artemi Panarin. I mean, Artemi Panarin is special, you know? I mean, you know, did they have some nice players? Yeah, DeBrincat's a good player. Schmaltz is a good player as well, but you signed Chris Kunitz to a one-year deal. I mean, I mean, what does Chris Kunitz have left in his career? Not a whole lot. You know, your fourth line really isn't that great. You've got some, like I said, they've got some good young players. Defensively, they're a tire fire. After Duncan Keith, they got a kid, Henry uh, Yoki Haru, who's really good, a first-round pick from last year, who's been really, really good for them. Got some other young kids. Gustav Forsling's a nice young player. Eric Gustafson from the Flyers has been kind of a surprise for them. But their depth has really struggled. Connor Murphy's out with injury. That's killed them. And Crawford was hurt for a long time, had a concussion and some other issues. So I really don't think it's still, I think I don't think Joel Quenville should have gotten fired. If anything, I would have fired Stan Bowman. But you know they made a decision. They're going with Jeremy uh, Culleton. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right or Culleton. He was actually drafted by Mike Milbury when he was the GM of the Islanders. So whoop de do. But we'll see how it works out for the Blackhawks. Stan Bowman has this team in the playoffs. I, I don't. I just don't think they have enough depth. They got great players, some great players. But they just don't have the you know the talent down low in the bottom six and even on defense to stick with some of these teams in there because their division's very tough. You got Nashville, Winnipeg, you know, you got uh, Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado's been great this year. So, I mean, the, the division is very, very tough. And I just, I just think Chicago's the worst team in that division. You know, they're going to have a top 10 lottery pick and we'll see what happens. You know, Artemi Panarin's a free agent after the season. Does he want to take a pay cut to go back there? We'll see. 
But I guess I said, Joel Quenville should not be unemployed. I mean, this guy, you know, he's a great coach. And, uh, you know, he, he deserves a lot of credit. Uh, there's rumors that Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman were at odds. Joel Quenville didn't want to trade Artemi Panarin. You know, there were, there were a lot of, lot of different things that Joel Quenville uh, disagreed with. But, you know, kept his mouth shut, did his job, won three cups. I mean, what more can you ask from the coach? Um, but anyway, that'll conclude this week's edition of the podcast. Um, sorry there was a bit of a gap there from the last one to this one. Got caught up in some things and got a little busy, so I apologize. I'll try to put them out more often since I know the viewers and the listeners. I appreciate everybody who's listening. It uh, really means a lot. Again, I'll still take any of your advice you guys want to give me. I appreciate it. Um, so that'll do it. I'm Andrew Schaefer, and this is Straight Up Sports.